0: Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. Today I'm really excited and delighted to have with me a colleague who works locally and also in London. I've got Sajad Rajpar with me, who works in Belgravia Dermatology and also the Westbourne Centre in Birmingham. So I wanted to talk today about skin because, as many of you know, when our oestrogen levels reduce during the perimenopause and menopause, um, it can affect everywhere, but it also can affect our skin. So I just wanted to tap his amazing knowledge and try and uh, get as much information as possible in the next half an hour. So thank you for coming.
1: It's a pleasure, Louise. Thanks very much for the invitation to do this podcast.
0: That's okay. So, tell me about skin. So, before we talk about skin and menopause, skin is a really important organ, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Skin is the largest organ in the body, and you know the average skin would contribute to fifteen kilograms of your body weight.
0: See, it's amazing, isn't it? Because yes. when we when you look at organs, you think about heart, lungs, liver, spleen, but you don't. You yes. think of the skin as just it's a protective. that covers us but it's more than that isn't it
1: absolutely we often forget that the skin has a lot of functions Mm. in in the immune system in fighting off infection Mm. in protecting the skin in also forming vitamin d as well so there are all sorts of different functions of the skin. so that's the
0: sunlight vitamin yeah
1: yeah. that's absolutely it the reaction Mm. from ultraviolet light yeah to the skin And we see a lot of changes with the menopause Mm. because of course the reduction in estrogen in the body causes changes to several layers of the skin. And I think the most common thing I would see in regular practice is ladies complaining that their skin's becoming dry and itchy. Yes. I don't know whether you see that as well or...
0: Very common. Lots of people have, especially itchiness. And some of them even get formication, that feeling of spiders crawling over their skin. Uh, often can wake them up at night. And a lot of them have actually seen dermatologists or they've seen a doctor. And because they haven't thought it to be associated with the hormones and people maybe haven't asked about their periods they haven't realised that it's, it's a symptom of low oestrogen. Um, so why does that happen? What does oestrogen do in our skin then?
1: Yeah, I think there is a lack of awareness that oestrogen is quite important. And in the context of itchy and dry skin, oestrogen stimulates sebaceous secretions, mm-hmm. which are greasy secretions from the sebaceous glands. So that keeps our skin lubricated and moisturised. And oestrogen also produces a substance called hyaluronic acid.
0: Oh, okay. That's in quite a lot of yes. thing, you know, moisturizers yeah. and treatments now, isn't
1: yeah. it? It's become really trendy in topical cosmetic creams and mm. anti-aging solutions. Mm. But oestrogen actually stimulates the production of this hyaluronic acid within the dermis layer of the skin, so below the skin surface. So it's not something you can just replenish Ah, by putting on top of your skin because it would not get absorbed.
0: So when we talk about working from within on the skin, this is something... um, So if a woman was menopausal and wanted to use that as an external product, it wouldn't have the same effect as having oestrogen within the skin?
1: Definitely not, because the hyaluronic acid in creams would just sit on the skin surface... and would be quite temporary, whereas the hyaluronic acid that the oestrogen stimulates will actually sit within the substance of the skin and draw water to it. And that's a sort of natural hydrating agent in the skin. And it sort of brings back the fullness to the skin and reduces perhaps fine lines and just aids the general elasticity as Mm. well. And the third reason we see dry and itchy skin conditions is because oestrogen produces something called ceramides and you might have started seeing these in moisturising creams mm. as well and ceramides are another type of grease that the top layer of the skin produces and we know that as soon as there's a reduction in oestrogen in the body we lose ceramide levels we lose hyaluronic acid levels and yeah. we lose sebum levels and they're all three Gosh. natural hydrating moisturising agents so surprise surprise yeah. we get dry and itchy skin.
0: Is that so interesting isn't it because I never knew any of this when I was sort of growing up through medical school. I don't know. Did you get much training about the menopause?
1: No, I don't think I got any training about the menopause. And actually, I kind of put two and two together because of the patients that were coming to see me, the age range that they were in and the types of complaints that they were bringing. And of course, there might be medications in the picture that could also be contributing to dry and itchy skin. Mm. Now, a common one is statins.
0: Oh, okay, you know, so it's used for high cholesterol. Yeah, it's yeah. used for high
1: cholesterol to reduce cholesterol, but cholesterol is also used to form some of those greases in the skin. Yes. So if you're reducing that, it's inevitable that um, you may get some dry skin as well. So often there's a combination mm. of things going on. Um, but yeah, you, it's not the type of thing that you're taught in, in medical school or even actually in dermatology training.
0: No, I mean, as as many of you who are listening know that I do a lot with education for GPs but also nurses pharmacists but i really feel that every specialty should know something don't you about menopause because you know, there are there's some people that say, well, I won't, I don't treat um, diabetes. I don't know much about diabetes, but I'll refer people on. Whereas actually, as you know, the menopause affects all women. So any doctor that comes in contact with a woman needs to know about the menopause, don't they?
1: I think that's absolutely essential mm. because you cannot otherwise put two and two together if yeah. you don't have enough awareness yes. of the possible range of symptoms mm. that could occur that could be linked to your own area of specialty. And- yeah. Yes. And I have to congratulate you on your book. Oh, I, that's very
0: kind. I actually
1: think that could be a really good tool for medical students and doctors yes. because it's really, really easy to read. It's got all the key facts laid out in a simple yeah. way. And, you know, it kind of brings in, you know, all the systems that could be affected.
0: Well, I think that's one of the reasons, obviously, Haynes were great at publishing it because I wanted something that it was easy. And actually a lot of people on my Instagram say, so I bought two copies, one for my... Yeah. or one for the <laughs> room, which is great. But yeah, I think, yeah. um, you know, we we don't, you know, a lot of gynecologists have traditionally managed the menopause because hormones, sex hormones, it's related to periods, but actually we um and I didn't really sit back and think about it until a few years ago that these hormones get everywhere, and because they get everywhere, they affect. And as you've said to us quite right at the beginning. The skin is the largest organ, so it's going to affect the skin, isn't it? Oh,
1: absolutely. Well, most of the main cells in the skin have estrogen receptors Mm. so you know there's a large volume of receptors that are going to suck up that estrogen and act upon it so absolutely
0: because certainly when you look at the benefits of hrt and there are as you know a lot of benefits but one of them which isn't a reason that you would take hrt is that it is anti-aging because of it helping build collagen reducing moisture loss wrinkles can reduce and um it's interesting isn't it a lot of the time I can certainly spot if there were 20 women in a room and 10 were taking HRT, you can spot. And it's not just because they seem to be happier because they haven't got symptoms, but the skin looks different, doesn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think we're understanding more and more the biochemistry of what's going on in the skin Mm. when somebody is devoid of oestrogen and then when oestrogen is replaced. And Mm. in terms of the collagen levels, there are a number of studies that have shown that the collagen levels reduce by up to as much as 30% in the first five years. That's in the year, first five years? In the first
0: five years, you so, know. So just talk us through what collagen is. It's...
1: Yeah, so collagen is a protein mm. that gives structure and support to the skin. Mm. And it gives the strength to the skin yeah. as well. And, you know, inevitably, as we age, our collagen levels will go down and the quality of collagen that we produce yeah. is less good yeah um other things that damage the collagen are smoking yes. and sun exposure, yes, and then we get this massive dip um with the menopause, yeah thirty so percent that's a third minutes. that's quite a bit, that's don't you think
0: a, heck of a lot isn't it when we're also yeah. conscious of covering up not being in the sun quite rightly, you can often tell smokers because they often have fine lines don't they, around their mouths as well, but just because they're they're collagen yeah. but That's huge.
1: And I also specialize in aesthetic treatments and aesthetic dermatology treatments. Mm. And one of the other big revelations, I think, in the last six months to me was a published paper that showed the changes in the face between men and women as we get older. And we both age at the same pace in Mm. terms of facial aging up till the menopause. And then when the menopause sets in, women have an accelerated yeah. loss of bone from the jawline and the chin right. as compared to men. Do they? Yes. And that connects completely with one of the major treatments I do for post or perimenopausal women, which is augmentation or filler injections around the jawline and the chin because the chin's receding. Oh,
0: isn't that interesting? And then that
1: causes a heaviness and jowling yes. to the cheek area.
0: Thinner so, as well. So it's, more likely, to do it's more likely
1: to sag. And yeah. we're, we're all familiar with osteoporosis of the hip yes. and other areas, but yeah. actually it's happening on the face yeah. and that's actually accelerating yes. the aging process. And it's a bit like saying, you know, the table's getting smaller, but the tablecloth doesn't Mm. change, you Mm. know, with the bone shrinking year on year. And I think that's one of the other reasons why you'll be able to pick out the women in a room. Yes,
0: because of their facial structure changing. Because
1: the bone's been protected from having estrogen.
0: Yeah. no, And it's very important because people worry a lot, as you know, about HRT. And I don't know If any doctors spoke to you, but certainly when it was mentioned, certainly my GP training, people would say, oh, no, it's too dangerous. Just ignore it. Just don't give HRT because it's going to give women breast cancer. And as we know, most women on HRT do not develop breast cancer. And certainly young women, there's no risk. Women who've had a hysterectomy, there's no risk. And women who take progesterone over the age of 51, the risk is very low. It's a lot higher if a woman's overweight or obese. So it's looking at the risk factors, but then it's looking at the benefits. Absolutely. And one of the benefits, certainly one of the reasons I personally take HRT is I'm very scared of getting osteoporosis. And I, I'm sure you have too seen a lot yes. of women who have had osteoporosis of their spine, this awful curvature, they recurrent chest infections, they're on morphine, they, they're not independent. Um, and... As you alluded to, bone loss is very rapid around the perimenopause and menopause. And it's very hard to replace it once it's lost, isn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And this is why prevention and active planning... Yeah. is so much more important than trying to reverse things because yes. that is just doesn't work. It's no, not as satisfactory.
0: it's so much harder, isn't it? And I think yeah. once the, the osteoclasts, the building cells for our bones, um, are out of sync with the ones that are breaking it down, then it's hard and we know that oestrogen can help restore that, yeah. um, which is important. And like you say, the earlier, the better. Yeah.
1: And I think the skin is in a similar position, which is that if you can protect the collagen before there is a decline, mm. you're much more likely to preserve the skin quality than if you allow the collagen levels to decline and then try yes. to then boost it up with estrogen, yeah. for example.
0: So I've read some places, not your clinic, uh, I hasten to add, do topical um, so cream with hormones in it to put on, and they talk about how they're, they're bio-identical creams, but for the face to improve. Would you... I can see you smiling there. Okay, but...
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit of a smirk because, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that that would be a evidence-based or no. reasonable way of trying to improve the skin. Because no. we have got, you know, estrogen receptors in all the skin, not yes. just the skin of the face. Yeah, So we've got to treat the skin as a whole. So Absolutely. I think locally treating yeah. certain areas mm. that perhaps look like they've aged with topical hormone treatments does not seem to me no, the reasonable thing to do.
0: And like you're saying, it might not it get through to the dermis. anyway. Yeah, so.
1: absolutely. And, you know, the stimulation of collagen can be done. You know, there are creams that can be explored that you can either get over-the-counter without a prescription mm-hmm. or by seeing a doctor who specialises in anti-aging. And the common things that help boost your collagen level are vitamin A derived products known as retinols or retinoids and there's a huge body. There's so
0: many aren't there?
1: There is so many and you know they probably all work in a similar way and it's trying to find the product that suits your skin that doesn't cause too much irritation Mm. but there is a huge body of evidence for retinoids, topical retinoids and retinol lotions and then there's other products that contain vitamin c and antioxidants right, and things like that okay. so i think if we're looking at topical treatments then that would be the line that i would so have not hormones suggested but if, creams. Yeah. yeah and i think if you're thinking about hormones i don't think they no. they ought to be topical you base.
0: do a serum don't you you produce a yeah. serum which has got what's it got in it Just... yeah
1: so i mean i sort of shortlisted all the ingredients that mm. um have a, a base of evidence that Also, I get very good feedback from from Mm. patients and try to just make it very simple for my patients to use, really, because it just gets so confusing when you, you know, go out there and try and get some skincare advice. it's quite
0: scary because I I don't really, I don't have much time to go shopping, but I don't really like it, really. When I go into a department store and there's so many brands and they're all trying to sell you different things, they all tell you, oh, there's evidence behind this, that and the other. And you think, really, what sort of evidence is there? And then I think, well, I'll go online and there's all these wonderful um, online shops where you can get all the different makes and then I get really scared and I've got no idea. Yeah. So actually, then when you
1: left even more confused. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And, you end
0: up yeah. buying loads and then you don't know which order to put things on okay. or you end up just sticking with yeah. your basics. And I've got, as you know, teenage children, they have so many products that they seem to understand. So your serum was great because it's so easy. Yeah, I um,
1: know. Yeah, it was designed to just be that one product that yeah. could be used twice a day and the layering up of products and the combining of products on the skin Mm. just doesn't make sense to me because we don't really know whether one product may interact with another and you know will the absorption be affected and what have you So I think with skincare, we've got to keep it simple. Simple, And one thing that actually, uh, you know, I find that helps those ladies who are suffering with Mm. just going back to our first point with the dry and itchy skin is just simple things like avoiding soap. Mm. Because soap... It's
0: really irritant, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's actually pretty bad for your skin. Mm. So unless there's a really good reason, unless your hands are very soiled, you know, you don't want to be using a soap-based product. Just think of what happens when you wash the dishes. You've got grease on the dishes. You put soap and you've just stripped off all the grease. Yeah. And then you're going to go and do that to your hands 20 times yes. a day and then to your body yes. twice a day. And
0: so what do you recommend people wash yeah. with?
1: There's a load of gentle cleansers out there, Cetaphil cleanser, for example. And any moisturising lotion that's light enough can also be used as a mm. soap. So those products don't lather, they don't bubble, but they will cleanse your skin
0: yeah,
1: and they will, you know, keep your skin feeling nice and hydrated after a shower.
0: So are there any that you would recommend?
1: I very much like the Cetaphil range mm-hmm. and the CeraVe range. They, right. you know, are yes. available commonly in, you know... They're not ridiculously
0: the, expensive, are they?
1: No, gosh, no, they're about a tenner each, I yeah. would have thought, and, you know, easily available in Superdrug and Boots and yeah. places like that. Yeah. And, you know, you can keep the both products in the bathroom And just allow your skin to replenish that moisture every time you're having a shower.
0: Yeah, which is really important, isn't it? Because I think people think if they they wash and scrub, especially if they itch, it's going to be better. And that's just the worst thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely the thing that will probably drive the itch even more because you're stripping the greases. And as you sort of rub, and some people want to use a loofah brush or something really quite aggressive, you're stimulating histamine release in the skin, And that's going to actually cause you to itch even more. And then you're going to be in this cycle of just not being comfortable with your skin. So
0: you want to not do that.
1: Yeah, You want to not do that and just really look after your skin, hydrate it, moisturise it. And Mm. that's always a good start.
0: And then we, as you know, use a lot of, especially estrogen, because it's the safest way of having it through the skin as right. a patch or a gel. And so the gel is very easy because we can change the dose according to our symptoms, especially if people are perimenopausal, because their hormone changes every day often. And so when I explain to women, oh, well, you just put a pump or two, you rub it onto your arms or your legs. And all, often people say, well, gosh, how does that work? Because we rub moisturizers in and does that get through our skin? So What would be the difference? How does it work? That's a really good
1: question. Okay, so this comes to the term of transcutaneous absorption of medicines. Okay. Okay. All that means is that some medicines, if the molecule is small enough Mm -hmm. and they're in a base that's greasy, those molecules will actually work into the greases of the skin and dissolve in Mm -hmm. the greases of the skin and get into the dermis. Right. And we've got loads of blood vessels in the dermis. Remember, we've got this 15 kilogram of skin and all these little blood vessels will just absorb that estrogen molecule, which is a fatty-based molecule, Mm. and that will go directly into the bloodstream. So it's safe because it's going straight into the bloodstream. It's not going through the liver or anything Mm. like that. So things like drugs that are fatty-based will get absorbed. Yes. Things that are not, do not get absorbed. So moisturisers are not designed to be absorbed. Moisturisers are designed to form a very thin layer on the surface of the skin that prevents evaporation of your natural water and just so that you can hang on to that water.
0: Right, so they won't get into the bloodstream. No.
1: But if a moisturiser had a f- small enough fat-based chemical like oestrogen in it, yeah. then the oestrogen could Get into the bloodstream. Right.
0: So it's very interesting, isn't it? Because we've been using um, some um, patches, for example, with um, a morphine equivalent for painkillers. They can be really useful, can't they? Absolutely, and, yeah. And, you know, a few years ago, before I knew as much as I do now about menopause, I didn't really use much of the estrogen through the skin as gel or patches because traditionally the contraceptive pill is a tablet, as you know. Yeah. So you think, oh, well, hormone yeah. replacement therapy, another tablet. But then now we know there's no risk of clot or stroke with having through the skin. And it's more reliable absorption. You don't have to... A lot of women have digestive problems during the menopause.
1: I didn't know that. So that's that's really good to... Yeah, because as you
0: say it goes straight into the bloodstream yeah. so it bypasses the liver right um so and as you know the liver produces our clotting factors so it makes sense yeah it does it's make like sense. a lot of things in medicine yeah. you sit back and think yeah. or if you're taught yes. it makes sense and the other problem as you might know is because um hormones are grouped together when a doctor tries to prescribe even the oestrogen gel it will still say risk of clot When a patient, a woman, opens the products and looks at the SPC, the the product characteristics, it will say risk of clot because they're all grouped together. And I've been trying to do some work with the MHRA to try and remove this because we know they're very different. But as you know, it's very hard to make change. Yes, Um, yes.
1: But that's really important, isn't it? Because that that information, that's actually incorrect. Yes would put somebody off. Yes, it puts,
0: from... it puts women off, but it also puts doctors and nurses yeah. off from prescribing it as well. And we see a lot of women here who've maybe had a clot after a long flight or they've got a family history of right. clot and they've been incorrectly, sadly told, they could never have HRT. And yeah. yes, they couldn't have the oral oestrogen, but they can have it through the skin. So,
1: so do you think, Louise, when you're um, prescribing oestrogen through the skin mm. um, as a gel, that you're able to control the dose or change the dose a lot more you know easily because you know it's hard to you know you have to go in units of tablets don't you well that's the thing and it's
0: it's very easy so a lot of women for example people who have PMS premenstrual syndrome they often traditionally have a dip of their symptoms before their periods which is often when their estrogen levels drop and when they become perimenopausal it's not just a day or two before their periods it's sometimes a week or two weeks before and they really really struggle and so often we will say to them at those days, use three or four pumps, and right. other days just use one or two. And I strongly feel, and I know you do too, is that our patients need to be in control. They need to be feeling... It's their bodies; they need to be in control of what they're doing, and so this is a really good way of them to be able to adapt, really, to their symptoms. Yeah. And also, they're very reassured to know that it doesn't build up in their bodies because everyone's still scared of hormones. And I keep saying to them, we: there's a reason that you're using it once or twice a day it's because it wears out.
1: Yes, um, yes, and that's I, reassuring, and isn't that is it? Reassuring. Yeah, and
0: it's the same, yeah. I'm sure, with some of the treatments and creams that you give. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, they have to be applied, and and I know with skin i just wanted to talk briefly if it's okay about acne actually because we see um oh i see a lot of women who have had troublesome acne when they were teenagers and then they're in their mid late 40s and they're like, oh these spots have come back or, you know why is yes. that
1: yes yes um that is a important problem and i think that's again because we might have a imbalance mm. in the ratio yes between testosterone and yes. estrogen And even if there is a slight imbalance with that, the skin can react. And the skin has got a lot of androgen or testosterone receptors. Yes. So if the skin sees relatively more testosterone than estrogen, Mm. then the sebaceous secretions in some areas, especially around the mouth, on the chin and the jawline can increase, and then we can start getting acne spots. Yeah. And, you know, it is a difficult time because several changes are occurring, and the last Mm. thing somebody would want is a spotty face. Yeah. But, you know, the good thing is that there are a lot of topical treatments that Mm. can help with that form of acne. There are things that contain benzoyl peroxide, which Mm. can be purchased over the counter, and the retinols, which are also used for anti-aging, also help acne at that stage. Now, there'll be some ladies who will find that their, their sort of tendency for spots is more to do with another condition called rosacea. Yes. And that can give little pimples as well. Often that involves the nose and the central forehead as well. And there can be um, sort of flushing. Mm. And sometimes there's a crossover between the flushing from menopause with the flushing of rosacea Mm. and sometimes you you can have both conditions so sometimes if you know you're not winning with the simple treatments that either you've purchased from the pharmacy or had from the GP it might be worth just discussing those with a dermatologist
0: because it's very easy to get it wrong with dermatology isn't it I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, because a lot of things can look similar yes. and there are only subtle clues.
0: Yeah, and I think especially now, um, you can look at so much on Instagram or online more than when, you know, we were students. Yeah. And so it's very easy to think, but actually dermatology, although it's very visual, you have to see the real flesh, don't you? I...
1: Yeah, it's really, really difficult to look at a picture and say, mm-hmm. that's this. Yeah. And it's not just looking at the flesh, it's getting an understanding from the history, yes. you know, what's happening. So for example, if somebody does come with facial spots I'd like to know you know did they have them as a teenager do members of their family have them are they using comedogenic skin products Mm. what's their sun exposure like Um, what's their hormonal situation and those are things that you can only really dig out during a a consultation and
0: I think it's really important I I know we we did speak before we started recording about there's a big plethora of skin clinics now because everyone wants perfect skin we all want that Instagram look but actually to have as a dermatologist you are a trained doctor right <laughs> um, but it's really important because i think a lot of people that like they don't don't know necessarily who they're seeing because there's so much treatments like you say there's so much choice out there and you could be taken in but actually with the skin a lot of it is from within as well so like you were talking about the statins having an effect drugs having an effect
1: Um, Absolutely, it's it's
0: very important if you have a skin condition that you see a trained doctor who can be very holistic about it.
1: I think that is so so important, Mm. and I think that that's the case with every you know specialty, but especially with skin because there are so many on the high street who may not be medically trained and have access to a lot of products and devices, perhaps. So, yeah, I think the training for dermatology is completing medical school, then doing training in internal medicine. Mm. So you have a, you know, a good awareness yes. of all the systems of the body and how drugs interact with the body. Yes. And then a four year training in dermatology. And then some dermatologists like myself may do further training in procedures. Mm. And then that's when the real learning begins is when you actually start seeing patients on your own and really developing patterns and seeing patterns mm. and understanding, you know, what works and what doesn't work.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's a journey, isn't it? I constantly learn from my patients, and it's a great privilege, isn't it, being a doctor? We really it is. Um, are very grateful to our, our patients because we share, and, and sometimes we don't always know the answers. No, and it's no. sharing uncertainty and being able to try in a very stepwise way things that help. Aren't? Yeah,
1: I think we're very similar in our practice in that mm. we would discuss what is known. You know, it's not a black and white specialty. The skin isn't, the menopause isn't. And provide the information that our patients require to make their own informed choice. And I think that's what we've always done in our practice. And I understand that from your practice and knowing you over the years. Yeah, And I think, you know, at least with dermatology there's a set training program i think with the menopause yeah was there any training no not was, at all you know, no the, i mean control. there is
0: some training the british menopause society do a specialist training program which i've done i'm an advanced specialist but it's very hard because there's very few trainers so um we're actually, as you know, creating um, a menopause a, or developing an education programme really for primary care. Um,
1: so that would be GPs. So, so for GPs,
0: nurses, pharmacists. Nurses well. But also, there's no reason why, you know, dermatologists couldn't come. Absolutely. So uh, yeah. I know you're talking at our next event, yeah. which yeah. is great because it's so enriching um, once you've got some understanding and, and knowledge about it as well. so
1: Yeah, it is actually because you kind of then can explain symptoms mm. um, both biologically and in simple terms and then that paves the way to actually improving those symptoms absolutely so
0: So thank you so much we've sadly run out of time i'm going to call you to come back another time because i really want to talk about hair changes we've talked about skin but hair changes is something that we know we see a lot during the perimenopause and menopause so before we finish could i just ask for three take-home messages that for people who are listening and maybe thinking yeah my skin is not great what could they do what would you recommend
1: Okay. Tip number one would be avoiding soaps and Mm. using a soap substitute to cleanse the face and the body and moisturizing at least a couple of times a day, especially if you're prone towards dry skin. Mm -hmm. Step two would be to be very sensible with the sun. Yes. So wear a hat, wear a good Factor 50 product. It doesn't have to be expensive. Mm. Just make sure You put it on five or 10 minutes before you go out and every couple of hours that you're out and about. And then step three would be to, if you are a smoker, stop smoking. Because the decline in collagen from smoking is equivalent to sitting in the sun every day yeah so if you do all those three things you'll keep your skin as healthy as you can with very simple measures yeah moving forwards
0: that's brilliant oh thank you ever so much well we'll put some links to the products that you mentioned including your serum on our podcast notes so thank you ever so much for coming thank you for giving up your time
1: pleasure thanks so much for the invite
0: For more information about the menopause, please visit our website www.menopausedoctor.co.uk.